0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. 3.28 million people in the US filed for unemployment last week. Just three weeks ago, barely 200,000 people applied for jobless benefits in the US, a historically low number. In the half century that the government has tracked applications, the most applications filed in a single week had been fewer than 700,000. Numerous countries, including the UK, Canada, and the US, have put forward financial easing measures in place to help employees suddenly out of work and employers grappling to handle the new norm. In this HR Chat interview, I'm going to speak with Andy Britt, Vice President of Talent and Transformation Europe at IBM, about COVID-19's unprecedented impact on global unemployment rates, what the latest unemployment figures actually mean, and how AI and automation may step in to fill some gaps. Andy leads IBM's European talent and engagement practice, providing human capital management, HR recruitment outsourcing, and organizational change management services to clients. He specializes in IT-led enterprise transformation, as well as HR and learning. Andy is a regular speaker and presenter on IBM's HR research, change management, and mobile, social, and cognitive innovation. Andy It's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting
0: me along today. It's great to speak with you. So, listeners, we're recording this interview on March 27th. And as as everybody in the whole world knows, uh, we're living in extraordinary times. And as part of that, we are seeing unprecedented, unforeseen incredibly scary figures coming out in terms of unemployment rates right now. So uh, what what do the global unemployment rate mean? Are, are these numbers like 500,000 people claiming benefits in the UK in the last 10 days? Are they, are they short term or is this the start of a massive recession and a, and a collapse long term in employment rates?
1: Well, Bill, I suppose I want to start by saying that, yes, while we're trying to absorb the economic impact of this global pandemic you know we mustn't forget that ultimately this is personal this impacts people's lives this creates uncertainty and anxiety on a scale that we've not seen before um, business ac- academics have long been training business leaders to to operate in a vuca world vuca being volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous And I think you could actually redefine that now and it is volatile, uncertain and complex. But it's now it's anxious. It's anxious for people. It's anxious for employees. It's uh, anxious for the uh, self-employed. It's anxious uh, for uh, business leaders. And so as we start to explore what the uh, global unemployment predictions uh, now mean, we mustn't forget that ultimately we're talking about individuals Uh, whose livelihoods are going to be uh, completely disrupted. At this stage in March, it's very difficult to predict exactly what the long-term consequences of COVID-19 are going to be. Uh, But it is clear that this is an economic shock, the likes of which none of us in in this generation have experienced. Um, And it does appear as if that this is going to have a long-term impact though I know some of the politicians might like to predict um, coming out of this crisis in the next uh, 12 uh, to 16 weeks. I think the more we look at the data, um, the more that we look at countries who've already been through this, it does appear that once the medical shock is over, the economic shock is going to kick in. And uh, we can go into that into more detail. But I, I do think this will have long term uh, economic uh, unemployment consequences for every uh, uh, every nation on the planet.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So yeah, let's just delve into it a little bit more. Then um, nobody really knows right now what the heck these numbers mean. But maybe maybe you can offer some insights in terms of what the jobs market look might look like in the next say three to six months. Can can we reasonably expect it to be a buyer's market, Andy, on on the go forward? You know, where it, in, instead of a war for talent? Is it reasonable to now expect people to be competing for jobs that they wouldn't have been competing for just a few weeks ago?
1: Yeah, I think, Bill, that's a a good assessment. Well, the first thing we know is that this uh, economic shock is going to impact industries in different ways. So certain industries like the uh, airline industry, the hospitality industry, for example, has seen a complete shutdown. And their business leaders are struggling as to how to keep the lights on on, on the business, and as a result, there will be quite significant uh, medium and long term uh, unemployment in those industries. At the same time, we know other industries, and we all of a sudden are realising the value not just of the retail industry, but of our healthcare providers. Those industries uh, will be booming, as well as all the pharmaceutical companies that support them and the search for for for, 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 for drugs. So some industries obviously uh, will actually uh, you know, thrive and quite essentially need to thrive in the current circumstances. But for the majority of organizations, um, you know, they will have surplus capacity. Uh, they'll have surplus staff. Uh, there will be uh, an impact both on the demand side of what they do as well as on the supply side uh, of, the, of their operations. And that will result in due course without significant government intervention uh, or fiscal stimulus, that will result in a whole series of layoffs across many, many industries. And I think, again, most governments and business leaders are trying to work out, are there ways in which we can mitigate or minimise that? So most uh, of the uh, developed economies, governments are putting in place fiscal stimulus packages. They're trying to support workers who can perhaps go on furlough. They pay them 80% of their salary to try and keep the economy going during this hard time. But I think it's fairly clear that most business leaders, as they begin to come out of this, will have to look at how they are going to make savings. And One area of savings obviously is in headcount and is in their employee base. Um So it does appear that the knock-on impact as one industry struggles, as some companies go under, that that will have a knock-on impact on other industries and other companies.
0: Okay, thank you. Um I, I, I usually try and conduct these interviews in a cheery fashion and have, have a few laughs with with our guests as we're going along, but uh, it's difficult to do that today, Andy. Um and uh, into another difficult question, what are the what are the challenges for HR departments right now? You know, I guess they're facing up to the challenges of remote working, layoffs, of course, contract disputes, general uncertainty.
1: Yeah. So I think the first priority of the HR function today is actually to look after its employees and to provide all the support, the guidance, and help. Uh, for its employees uh, whether that's uh, helping them with remote working or whether that's helping them as they are caring for or, or looking for so looking after sick members of their family um, um and helping them just to continue to work when they are working remotely but i think the first priority has to be you know look after your teams look after your people make sure that they've got all they need to uh, to to survive. The other thing, of course, we are seeing is the rise in anxiety. And you mentioned it in your, uh, actually in in, in the question, is that I think HR leaders have a significant role to play in helping their employees cope with this massive uh, anxiety and tension and stress that not just the uh, medical risks are opposing but also the economic uncertainty as they look to the future and i think it is a time when uh, hr leaders can provide some reassurances and put in place measures that will give people a, a level of security in the short to medium term even if the long term um consequences are not known at this time now that means that hr leaders have got to be really smart and swift and effective in their communication they've got to be really clear about the basics like how to work from home and 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 whether it's acceptable to work from home uh, but also put in place measures for the long term uh, and, and that's particularly as it relates to the anxiety that everyone is feeling about is their job secure when you can't give a definitive answer to that question. Um, I think the uh, uh, HR leaders too need to be uh, guiding the board. They need to be uh, guiding all of the business leaders as to again how to communicate effectively with their teams uh, and provide a level of stability and assurance when um, many things are uncertain in their uh, in their uh, current business environment.
0: Okay, let's let's play that forward a wee bit more then. Um, Huge amounts of uncertainty right now, but in the in the medium term, what, what, what will be the challenges for, for HR, you know, in, in three to six to, to 12 months time?
1: Yeah, so most HR departments are having to look at what programs uh, they pause, what programs they cancel. Um, many organizations, as you know, in the last few years have been looking at uh, uh implementing new cloud HR systems or upgrading their learning platforms redesigning HR around employee experience introducing automation many of those programs will be have to will have to be put on hold as the HR function looks you know where are we going to add value in the uh, in the coming weeks and months so that would be the first thing the second thing regrettably HR leaders I'm sure will be asked by the boarders to Where do we make savings? Where do we make savings, not just in the HR function, but across the board? How do we operate in a different world? Um, That may drive uh, some efficiencies. So in HR, we've been talking about uh, automation um, and artificial intelligence as being a means of doing things more effectively. Will that now be used as a means of driving uh, cost savings? Um, Outsourcing is typically uh, a solution that's often uh, entertained by organizations when they need to make rapid cost saving uh, in in, in, in the short to medium term. So will HR functions be asked to look at which of their activities can be done in a near shore or an offshore location? So again, that creates great pressure on the HR function to understand which of its core HR professionals they need to retain onshore versus what can be done more effectively um, uh, offshore. And I think, of course, most businesses are having to just reinvent themselves. They're having to uh, look at their strategy from scratch. And that does have people, workforce and skills dimensions. So the CHRO will be there to advise the board and the CEO as to, in this uh, newly emerged business, whatever it looks like, um, how do they make sure they've got the right skills competences and workforce to deliver on that new strategy. So it's going to be a busy time, for HR
0: leaders across the board. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espresso built the first culture benefits platform, Designed to make heroes out of HR teams, while connecting people and community, Espresso.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espresso.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com. Thank you very much. Now, back in 2017, you, you were quoted as saying, the sobering thought is that a lot of roles today particularly those involving repetitive or routine tasks may soon be considered ripe for automation given the huge amounts of layoffs and the uh, as a result of coronavirus do you think we will see many companies accelerating their efforts to adopt new automated alternatives to duties performed by humans as they look to future proof their business from from the repercussions of a potential second wave of Covid nineteen later in twenty twenty, will big numbers of workers not have jobs to go back to?
1: So, Bill, that is the you know sixty four million dollar question. As you begin to automate, and I think this will accelerate the pace of automation uh, and use of artificial intelligence across many organisations. I don't think there is any doubt in that. Now, the issue is once a job has been automated. And many organizations actually are using their HR ad- administration team, their uh, their HR call center agents to to actually build the robotic process automation routines. What's the work that they go on to? Historically, organizations were said, well, now's an opportunity for perhaps for you to do a more strategic role, to help us perhaps more with workforce planning, to help us with some more, uh, you know, analytics based uh, advisory work that you provide to the business once your tasks have been automated but there is a risk of course that organizations if they have to make savings will automate as a means of reducing their headcount in 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 hr and that is a sobering thought for all of us as to um um, you know what roles or what hr roles will be required In the future organization i think it will depend very much on industry Um, i hope that this will be a kind of short-term impact and organizations will begin to rebuild um, their capabilities over time but but there is no doubt that automation does give organizations a chance to reduce headcount uh, in order to survive
0: okay and another way that employees can can survive this, uh, can remain relevant, perhaps, is is upskilling and and reskilling. Do do you think that we will see a big increase in investment in upskilling and reskilling so that employees can adapt to working in new or maybe more augmented roles?
1: Yeah, Bill, I think it's good to make that connection uh, early on. Uh, I mean, last year, IBM brought out a, a research paper on the Enterprise Guide to Closing the Skills Gap. And then business leaders were telling us that there was a whole set of skills that they needed to support their future strategy that they didn't currently have in the workforce, which was giving the HR department a challenge. Are we going to buy them by recruiting them or are we gonna build them? Are we going to uh, you know, build those in, internally? Well, paradoxically, now is the time when, pe- when many people's work has slowed down or the volume of, of, of work is, is being curtailed by this crisis. Is actually a good period to do some learning and to do some reskilling. One of the areas where IBM is helping our clients is to make available some of its online learning content to our clients so they can reskill in new areas like blockchain, like Internet of Things, like artificial, artificial intelligence tools. So, paradoxically, we've got a great opportunity to reskill the workforce in digital skills. Um, And, of course, we have the technology available to do that. Most of us are used to online learning. Most of us have some familiarity with remote working um, and remote learning workshops. So it is possible we've got the tools available to us. What we now need is just the intent and the direction so that the workforce can use this enforced downtime to begin to pick up the skills that hopefully will allow them and their organizations to emerge stronger from this crisis once eventually we get through it. So that's the opportunity. And again, we're helping many of our clients seize that opportunity to, you know, plug the skills gap.
0: Okay. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, while, while I'm on a bit of a downer today uh, and and he is, and he's been very positive and, uh, and, and showing us that actually there will be some, some amazing opportunities that, that, that come to people as a result of what's going on right now. Now, uh, listeners, to the HR Chat Show, um, we'll, we'll be aware that I recently interviewed Chris Avrilla, uh, uh in, in terms of uh, her, her take on uh, technology in the world of work, and it was in the context of, of a panel that you were involved in as well uh, as part of uh, Hacking HR. Uh, that was a panel with Chris, with uh, Jan Tonison, Jeff Smith, and Manisha Singh called HR Digital Transformation, which in part looked at your key focus which is how AI and automation will transform the human capital management HR, recruitment, outsourcing, and organizational change management landscapes. Can you you tell me a bit more about the session?
1: Well, it was a fantastic session, uh, allowing uh, a number of uh, HR leaders, HR consultants, to actually have a live panel debate uh, that was uh, facilitated, allowing us to share our thoughts on the future of the HR function, uh, trends that we were seeing emerging, and just share perspectives from different geographies as to how we think the HR function is is, is going to be reimagined. Um, and we were allowing, obviously, participants to, uh, uh, to 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 raise questions, make make comments. We had a live chat going. Actually, for me, it was a tremendously rewarding experience, not just by getting a number of thinkers together uh, in, a, in a virtual or remote conference, but allow us, allowing us to have some online dialogue and participation. So there was a conversation that was going on live, but there was also a really helpful chat, providing challenge, reinforcement, and allowing everyone to participate. And it goes back to that earlier point. It is a great way, actually, to learn. And to upskill when you have a remote online conference, because actually, although you lose the face to face contact, what you get is the ability for people to put their thoughts, their questions, their concerns and to collaborate online while the discussion is going on. So it's it's almost giving you a richer insight into what people are thinking and reacting when you have a virtual conference as opposed to a face to face panel or conference event. So I found it tremendously tremendously rewarding and it was a great way to get insights in the flow of the conversation.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, we're almost at the end of this interview already, Andy. Before we wrap things up, um, here's just another small question for you um, uh, to, to kind of summarise a little bit of what we've been talking about today and uh, perhaps offer some additional insights. Um, maybe you could for your top predictions for, for the next few years in terms of ways AI and automation will continue to change how we attract and manage talent?
1: Yes, of course, Bill. So in terms of my predictions for the, the, the future, well, first of all, I think there is going to be a fundamental reset of the way that we think about work, possibly the way that we think about capitalism, probably the way that we think about wealth creation. Uh, and the security that we get in our jobs, and and I, and I don't want to lose that because this is such a fundamental, uh, you know, rewiring of uh, capitalism in our generation, and we don't quite know which lights will work when we come out of it at the other end. Um, I do think that this will enable HR functions to um, to rise uh, in the importance and the contribution that that they play, we are going to need a lot of compassion and kindness in the corporate space. Now, that having been said, that having been articulated, it is going to be the case that some of these tools that we've been talking about, remote working, as an example, artificial and robotics, suddenly we will see these being catapulted as being pretty critical, uh, whether it's for... uh, Operational survival in a remote working context, or just the economic survival of many organizations they will need to shift to more efficient ways of working so I think we 're going to see a rise in AI and robotics um, uh, as tools that are being used to drive efficiency within uh, within corporations and I do think outsourcing as well, particularly uh, use of nearshore and offshore locations, will become more of uh, uh, an option now for for, for companies when previously they would have uh, parked that as being um, um, uh, not part of their strategy but the future has not been written and it's up to us as uh, HR professionals and HR leaders to actually shape the next post-COVID-19 generations of, of, of companies and the post-COVID um, uh, enterprise culture. We need to shape that and create that in a way that works for the next generation and for our children. And Bill, you'll feel that uh, acutely because you've got uh, uh, a child about to enter the world. So again, we we owe it to you and your generation to make sure that uh, we create uh, workplaces that work for our people. That's the big reset.
0: Yeah, it's true. I haven't haven't told our listeners about that yet. Um, on, On a personal note, I'm delighted to, to uh announce there that uh, i've got a little chap on the way uh due in june it's uh, a heck of a time to to, to be starting a family but i uh, very very exciting and um if if future podcasts have me sounding a little bit tired and grumpy i hope you can uh, appreciate why everyone over the course of the next few months um but that just leaves me to say for today andy thank you so much for being a guest on on this pretty special episode of uh, the hr chat Show.
1: Great to join you, Bill.
0: Thanks for inviting
1: me in and uh, everyone stay safe.
0: Yeah, listeners, uh, until next time, stay in your homes, self-isolate and stay safe. And we'll get through this. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette.